Log Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to my weekly From My Mama's Kitchen talk radio show. My guest for this morning is award-winning novelist Shannon Baker. She is the author of the Nora Abbott Mystery Series. Her latest novel, Strip Bear, a Kate Fox novel, is a modern western described as Longmire meets the good wife. Shannon and I will be having a wonderful, candid conversation about her life's journey as a writer, traveler, and the beauty of American West, particularly the rural areas of America. Good morning, Shannon. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Johnny. I'm doing great. I'm down in Tucson, and it's going to rain, so that's always a good time. <laughs> Wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning. Street Bay is a terrific title, I have to say, and read. The book is full of action and suspense and wonderfully written as well. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I had a, a blast writing it, so it's nice that it's out in the world now. Wonderful, wonderful. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. This is such a funny question because I'm, you know, I'm pretty old. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> but, you know, um, from a really early age, I was, you know, very itinerant. You know, my dad worked um, for a retail company, so we moved. I grew up kind of like an army brat. And um, so, like, every two or three years, we'd move, which when I finally got into high school, we landed in eastern Nebraska, and we stayed there. That's where my folks were from. And then I went to college, and I met this guy, and I married him, and I lived in one place for 20 years, which was pretty amazing. Um, but it turned out he wasn't such a great guy in the end. Um, so I left. He, he had an affair. I know this was in a, a town of 300. So I was literally the last one to know. But at any rate, I got to stay in the Sand Hills and raise my kids there, which was great. But then I got to move to some super great places, like Boulder, Colorado is where I went next, and then Flagstaff, Arizona, and back up to to the Front Range. And now we're down in Tucson. So some really, really great places since then. So, you know, I'm still bouncing around a little bit, but but we hope to stay in Tucson for quite a while now. Interesting, very interesting. Now, you are an outdoors person, but you are not a cowgirl, though. <laughs> I, no, no, and you know that's that's the thing. I, I lived on this ranch when I got married. I moved out and lived on this ranch, and I'm I'm so not a horse person. I like horses and I can uh-huh. ride and I can saddle up and I can, you know, work cattle, but I, I never ever just went out and rode horses just for the fun of it. Um, so yeah, I, I couldn't throw a rope to save my life. And <laughs> as far as, you know, machinery, uh, you know, working mm-hmm. in the hay field, I didn't even have to, I was so inept at this that they would plop me on this tractor that had, it didn't even have a, a roof on it. It was an international M. So you know, a little bit above a garden mm-hmm. tractor. And they just plop me on it and say, Go <laughs> I mean I didn't have to grease my own tractor, it was great. In all fairness though, your tractor does not have a headlights, right? 
<laughs> no, it didn't have anything. You know, and my my husband would be out in this you know big tractor with air conditioning and radio, and I would be plodding plodding along. You know, doing you know, raking up hay in the heat of the day. But that was in the in the eighties, so you know we all wanted heat and sun back then. Anyway. I understand. Did you have a chance to use a six shooter? <laughs> yes, but um, but I don't I don't really know how to. In fact, just just recently I took a a class shooting down here just uh-huh. so that I would have you know experience writing because my mm-hmm. Kate Kate Fox is a sheriff and so she has to she has to shoot a gun. So I thought I need to right. learn how to shoot it. But um, no, I killed a rattlesnake one time when I was out uh-huh. at the ranch all by myself, um, and I went through nine rounds in this gun that I had no idea what I was doing. It's a, it's a wonder I didn't kill myself. <laughs> the whole explanation is that you say it was a huge snake, very long. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, and, and, and snakes don't die easily. So, I, you know, it was really a horrific experience. I, you know, yeah. People that are sensitive yeah. to animals won't appreciate it at all. Right, right, right. I understand. When did you realize you like reading? You know, I think I have always, from from the earliest times. I, you know, I, I thought about this and I thought I I was a reader before I could read, because I, I my mother used to read to us and I was the youngest of three kids, so you know she was reading books to my my older brother and sister and I would I was always just listening. So, you know, I I was a reader before I I learned how to read. And so I've always mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. loved reading, you know, and always told myself stories. That's how I put myself to sleep. Um I would just lay in bed at night and just tell these stories and I mean, mm-hmm. I did it my whole life. I still do it. If I can't sleep in the middle of the night, I'll just make up some fantastical story and tell myself the story until I fall asleep. Do you find yourself daydreaming most of the time? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> My husband will be talking to me, and, and he's very technical. He's um, uh, got an engineer's brain, and so he'll start, and he's an uh-huh. awful pilot. He'll start telling me some technical thing that he's working mm-hmm. on an engine or something, and and I'm just off someplace else. He's learned to just he just accepts it. He's, he didn't hear a word I said. <laughs> no, I was you know on the plains in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Were there favorite authors that you follow over the years? Um, you know, I I totally love. I've always been into more literary fiction, and so you know mm-hmm. uh, Barbara Kingsolver and Ann T- Tyler, and you know all these I really love. And then I accidentally started writing mysteries, and so I've been playing mm-hmm. catch up for the last several years, just reading lots of mysteries and a um, lot of friends' books. So you know I'm a big Laura Littman fan. She writes mysteries, but boy, she's really she's really a phenomenal writer. And you know of course I follow Craig Johnson in the Longmire series. You know. That's just so much fun. The books, I think, are so much better than the the TV show, which is also really great. But the the books are are really fun to read. Very interesting. When I was growing up, I never liked reading. I enjoy watching the movies because it's a summary of the story. So uh-huh. people would say, "Have you read this book?" I said, "No." 
but I'm waiting for the movie to come out because then it's all condensed <laughs> in an hour and a half to two hours, you know. And, and they say, but you're missing the essence, the essence of the author. And I said, well, the story is a story. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you know, and that's true. There are, there are um, stories that are just so great for the story, but there are books that you read that the language is right. just so great. Um, a, winner's, a Winner's Bone, Winner's Bone. And I wish I could tell you the author right offhand. But, you know, that was a movie. They made a movie. That was the first one that Jennifer, um, uh, well, never mind. But anyway, <laughs> you know, it was a really good movie. But the book is like poetry. The the words, the way he wrote the words are just phenomenal. And you would you would miss that in the movie, which was a good story. So true. How did you discover you like writing? Because reading is one thing. Then writing is a totally new level. You know, I ignored it for a really long time because when I was when I was a, a young kid um, in grade school, I wrote this poem and got all these awards. You know, it was, it was kind of a big deal in in my little time. But my sister, who was older than me, got word of it and she found out that that I had written this poem and she read it and she said, "Well, that's all good, but I'm the writer in the family, so." You know, you'll have to pick something else. And so, you know, I did. You know, whatever. I, you know, decided I would be an actress or whatever it was. But but then mm-hmm. in college, I had an English professor who said, oh, you really have a facility for the language. And I thought, yeah. yeah. He says, you ought to consider being a writer. And I thought, nah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to make money. I'm going to be a businessman. And But then I ended up in the Sandhills. And, you mm-hmm. know, it was really kind of, um, you know, I had kids, so I was a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. and I was kind of boring, and I got this job at the county treasurer's office for three hours in the afternoon. All I was supposed to do was wait on the people that came in. Well, this was a county of a 1,000 people, so nobody came Mm in, very rarely, but I had to look busy, but the treasurer did not want me to read at my desk, So, and this was in the day of typewriters, so I just, I figured I read all the time. I might as well write, and so I wrote this Mm -hmm. book that was really bad. But after that, I was kind of hooked and kept figuring out how to make it better and taking classes and taking, you know, reading about how to write. And so I wasn't, I didn't start off being a writer. I was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, life kind of puts you in places where you were supposed to be, even if you didn't mean to. I understand. Do you use your writing to express yourself or to entertain others? I'm purely for entertainment you know i mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. that know know me know how shallow i am i'm really not that deep so, <laughs> you know it's <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty surface there <laughs> so yeah you know it, when i read a book uh-huh. you know the first thing i want to do is just go into that world and i don't want to you know i generally don't want to think that hard but a yeah. really good book you know as as you're reading the story you're picking up things and you're going, oh, oh, I, you know, that's a new insight into character or something. It's like mm-hmm. Gone with the mm-hmm. Wind. You know, that's just yeah. a sweeping novel and it's it's great and the story keeps moving along. And then when you're all done, you go, what an interesting character Scarlet is. Yeah, yeah. So true, though. What is the inspiration behind your novels? Because one of the things that I know about in terms of just reading about you, I noticed that we talked about in the very beginning, your mind always wanders off into this wonderful 
make-believe world that you're in. And then from that sort of process, you came up with basically, in this case, two particular role models that you wanted to explore even further. Um, with both of, both of the series and, and also this other standalone that I did that is out of print now, which is great, I, I have always started with a situation. Um, you know, so for the Nora Abbott books, you know, I moved to Flagstaff mm-hmm. and there was all this controversy with man-made snow on peaks that are sacred to 12 separate tribes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I thought, oh, wow, you know, people are heated about this. Somebody's going to die. And if they aren't dying in real life, I can make it happen. And so, you know, that's the way a mystery writer thinks. It's kind of <laughs> So, you know, it was a situation, and then I thought, who would be the most affected by this? And it would be the ski resort owner. And, you know, what, what, how would she be more conflicted? Well, if she's a ski resort owner that wants to make man-made snow, but she's also an environmentalist. And, you know, and then, you know, so it just went from there. With the, with the Kate Fox books, Kate just kind of muscled her way into my brain when, you know, over time, I guess, she, she was kind of growing in the back of my brain. I... Kate, Kate is very different from me, and you know she just kind of came fully formed and said, "Here I am. Now it now is the time to write about the Nebraska Sandhills." And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's how very that came about. Very, very interesting. Why did you choose to write mysteries? <laughs> I didn't. You know, it, <laughs> again, it's one of those things that shows me. Um, mm-hmm. I was. So when when it's it was a very practical decision when you're when you're writing fiction and you're learning to write fiction and as I said I always read literary books and you have to be deep to write a literary book and we've already covered that <laughs> so you know I was I was learning to write and they would they would say you know it's best if you pick a genre and I thought yeah but mm-hmm. I'd never read mysteries and I wasn't going to write romance and I'm really not into fantasy but I wrote what I thought was a thriller. And mm-hmm. and I sold it, you know, and, and the editor sat down with me and we were doing contract negotiations and she said, she said, no, this isn't a thriller. And in fact, it's a mystery and would you like it to be a series or is it a standalone? And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not that stupid. I said, it's a series. <laughs> <laughs> Write me that contract, that multiple book contract. So when I had written the first Nora Abbott book, it was a standalone. So then I had to do a little scrambling to to yeah. make her, you know, come along in, in some more books. Yeah. Very interesting. What are some of the challenges in writing mysteries? You know, I think the biggest challenge is to, is to not trick your reader, but to keep your reader um, guessing the whole way. Mm-hmm. And which isn't hard if if your reader is not a big savvy mystery fan, but the fact is most mystery readers have read a gazillion books and they know what they're looking for and they know all the tricks and they know, you know, the least likely person is the one that actually did it. And, you know, so it's, it's hard to keep your reader guessing. And in some, and sometimes you just can't because they're going to figure it out because they're so smart. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think in that case, the thing you need to do is, is write really great characters and really great um, situations that people are interested in, even if they can figure out who who done it. 
Very interesting. I was told that mystery writers live their life in episodes. We talk about that daydreaming process that we go through. And so uh-huh. one would get up and start daydreaming, and that's the life episodes for today. And then tomorrow will be something different and so forth. It's quite interesting. So like, you never see the true person. You talk about a little bit where your husband is talking to you, and you're in sort of in a distant land, so to speak. Is that true? <laughs> I, I think that person needs therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, there's. I think there's a difference between artists and craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And an artist's brain is completely, I, I think, probably mm-hmm. very different than mine. You know, I'm I'm very practical, and I'm I'm a total craftsman. You know, I I get up. I I have you know an agenda. I need. I sit down. I write for so long. You know. I I I have I have a method that I do. You know. I plot things out, and then I I have so many pages a day I need to do, and then when I'm done, I'm done. Generally. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But but there is. So that, you're very you know, structured. I am. You're very structured. Really then you're very very structured. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. You know I have an Why MBA. You- I used to say. I, I, you know, the other side of my brain is an accountant. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I guess though. I, yeah, I guess I do have you some know, schizophrenia going on here. <laughs> no, I, I think you know that's very interesting. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think what happens here is that to really know how a person operates. In your case, like say, you're obviously a very accomplished author, writer. And how does one get organized? Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have an MBA to be methodical about the things that you do. But certainly, it's very interesting to see, based on your inner self, your style, your personality, the inner you, the authentic you, basically. You're using the tools that you were exposed to to help you organize your thought process. And that's intriguing in itself. You know, it it absolutely is. Everybody has their own um, method that they do. I have a, a good friend who writes huge epic fantasies, Carol Berg, and she she starts off with a character, and and that's all she knows. It's kind of like a George R. R. Martin. That's all mm-hmm. he knows. He just goes from there. He doesn't know who's going to live or die or how they're going to work it out. That kind of writing is magical. Um, I can't do that. <laughs> I pretty much <laughs> need to know who who killed somebody before I'm going to start off at the beginning. I see. Interesting. Why did you choose Nebraska Sandhills as the backdrop for Strip Bear? The, I have I have always wanted to write about the Sandhills, and um, so I haven't been there. You know, I left um, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and mm-hmm. and I left. I was I was really kind of bitter and angry, and and I don't I didn't want to write a book that was bitter and angry. But the Sandhills, Nebraska Sandhills, are the most fascinating place, and I lived there for 20 years. So the the population density in the Nebraska Sandhills is 0.95 people per square mile. So there's nobody out there. It's it's huge. It's vast. Mm-hmm. And and you know for the small amount of population, um, there's really really quirky characters because everybody's like a a big family and they know everything about everybody except they don't. You know, people, there, you know, there are secrets out there, and it, it's mm-hmm. just and and the landscape itself. When I first drove through the Sandhills, um, I was on my way from Western Nebraska to Eastern Nebraska to a wedding, and I was I don't know, eighteen, nineteen years old, 
And I drove through the sand hills and I thought, oh my God, this is a barren wasteland. You know, I would never live here, which was mm-hmm. was my first indication that I should never say never because you know then I went back and lived there and it and it took me a long time. I really had to concentrate with a very conscious effort to learn to love the sandhills. And I did. And I you know, you start looking for how great everything is out here and you know, the the grasses, there's there's not trees and rocks and and, you know, green, everything green. But the grasses become you know, separate personalities. They're all different and they change as the weather goes and the sky is amazing. And, you know, there was just so much to, to love after I opened myself up to it. So I wanted, I wanted to write about the Sandhills with that kind of a appreciation. That's wonderful, though. As I mentioned to you, my foster family lived in Papa Bluff, Missouri. And for a very long time, that was my first exposure to the United States. I really enjoyed the Ozarks. I enjoy the back hills. I enjoy the green. I enjoy all those that are sort of very unique Americana. Mm-hmm. And in the books that you have written, you describe a lot of those rural treasures, what I would call it, about America, basically. And this is something that sometimes being a city dweller, we don't have a chance to really appreciate those kind of a natural beauty of our country. You know, I, and I haven't spent a lot of time east of the Mississippi. At, mm-hmm. You know, that's, but I love the West. I just love it. I, mm-hmm. we moved down to the desert here um, about a year ago, and I'm I'm learning mm-hmm. the desert, which is totally different than the the plains. Um, and I I got to tell you, I was I was I was really melting down here, and I was kind of walking around <laughs> saying, I have got to. Oh, it was like a month ago. And I was telling, I've got to get up to Flagstaff because that's, you know, mountains and I can get up there and yeah. cool off. And a friend of mine said, well, hey, let's go hiking out on Mount Lemon, which is right outside of town here in Tucson. And yeah. so we went hiking up there and it's like, I don't have to go anywhere. It's here. So we went up on this mountain where there were pines and columbines and aspen and it was 20 degrees cooler and it was amazing. And I thought, I kind of <laughs> like the desert. <laughs> Very interesting. Please give us a quick synopsis of this Kate Fox debut mystery series novel. So, um, so Kate is about she's uh, thirty-two, something like that. Anyway, um, you know, and, and she's she's got her life exactly where she wants it. She's got everything she wants. She's got a husband. She gets to work on a ranch that she loves. You know, her her husband's family ranch. So. You know, and and she's got all this huge extended family that she can hide from because she's out at this ranch, and and everything's great until she gets this phone call in the middle of the night um, that her husband's been shot and a rancher's been killed. Her husband's the sheriff, and a rancher's been killed, and her niece is missing, and so her world just kind of totally falls apart, um, which is the title stripped there. I mean, everything she thought she had, she doesn't anymore. And then her husband's accused of the murder, so she has to figure out who actually killed her, killed the rancher and get her husband off. How much research did you do before writing the story? Well, if you count the 20 years I lived in the Sandhills, <laughs> that's quite a bit of research. <laughs> you know, I was, a, I was a total outsider, so when I moved into the Sandhills, everything was new. It is like a foreign country, except they speak English there. Well, 
a form of English anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, everything was new to me, so I, I I paid attention to everything. But aside from that, um, the sheriff out in in the Nebraska county, in this county that I set this in, um, is a good friend of mine. Uh, so, so Sheriff Sean is on speed dial, so it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I can you know, and say, okay, Sean, here's the situation, and and here's you know how would this work, and and you know would do I need a building permit here, and 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 that's the other thing. I, I actually the book I'm working on now, I called up um, the county clerk, who's you know we mm-hmm. raised kids together out in the Sandhills, and so I know her. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Christy, what 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 kind of records do you keep on this and that? So it. It's fun to to have those people that I know that I can just call up and ask anytime. Plus, I have friends out there still out there who who are telling me, you know, the local gossip. Did you know this and did you know that? And those things find a way <laughs> in my books. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Did you discover anything interesting or surprising in your research? Oh yeah. So get this: you can be elected. Mm-hmm county sheriff in Nebraska and mm-hmm. have no qualifications whatsoever, none, zip, zero, never even shot a gun before. You get elected and you have 12 months to go get, um, go through a 12-week course in, you know, at the police academy mm-hmm. and get certified. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have any qualification except maybe, you know, have some friends in the county that all get together and vote you in. It, you know, it, it sounds to me like a criminal free-for-all. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I need to move up there to start a new career. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's there's so many places to hide the body up there, you just don't even know. <laughs> I like to be on the law side of the equation, see? You know, like I don't have to have all this qualification, work my way up, and uh, being called Sheriff Johnny Tan. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> you, you'd have to have a theme song then. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, yeah. I used to love Western stuff. I mean, I still do. I still do. <laughs> All the good guys against the bad guys. Love it. What made you choose the various characters for the story? Um, mm-hmm. Well, as, as I said, you know, Kate kind of can't, just came to me. So she's there. She's a total insider. Um, you know, she's lived there. She has eight brothers and sisters, and you know, she's related to everybody. She's she's just mm. been there forever. Her family's been there forever, which is completely not like me. But but after I had Kate, the other characters all kind of are are amalgamations of the people that I knew out there. So there's there's a lot of you know nobody is exactly exact. But there, you know, two or three people that I know would go into one character, and you know, there's just so many quirky characters in small towns, and and I think it feels more so that there are quirky characters in small towns than big towns because you just know them better, and and you're you're more comfortable with them, so they let out, you know, more of what goes on behind the scenes than you would in a big town. Very interesting. So true. How has your life experiences influenced your writing in this novel and perhaps in previous novels as well? Well, yeah. You know, when I when I look back at all my novels, um, I can usually see it, after the fact. I, I never say it while I'm doing it, but after the fact, I can see where I was 
going in my life, where I was in my life at the time. So, you know, when I, I wrote this first book, um, Ashes of the Red Heifer, which is the one that's out of print now, um, and it's, it was a thriller. And I wrote this character, Annie, and and I thought she was she was stoic, she was strong, she was, you know, nothing was going to rattle her. And and I, I really, you know, put all into that. I thought that was great. And I, I get back the, these comments that, you know, she is not likable. She is cold. She is bristly. You know, what is, you know, she's just not a likable character. And I, I look at my life at the time that I wrote that mm-hmm. book, and it's, it's like, oh, you know, here I thought she was strong and stoic. But, um, you know, what I was going through at the time is I, I had, you know, kids. I was I was working full time. I had a husband who was having an affair in this town of 300 people. And, you know, I was keeping everything going. We had a business that was going. And, you know, I was I was wound so tight that it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, so I wrote this character. <laughs> you know, I must not have been a lot of fun to be around at the time. <laughs> but then, you know. <laughs> It went on with Nora, you know, I started off with Nora Abbott, and she was strong and capable on the outside, but she was just a ball of jelly on the inside, insecurities, and, and, you know, by the time that series worked its way through, she was, you know, finding more of herself and, and, you know, strength within herself. She wasn't questioning everything she did, and and I think, you know, that, that also mirrored what I was going through at the time. It's very interesting what you just said, because... A lot of times, and we talk about this before, in the sense that we are in the book, whether bits and pieces in all the different characters and so forth that we write. Now, in the flip side of the equation, sometimes the things that we write helps us in our real life situation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, um that's interesting. Um, I guess maybe when I was writing, especially the Kate book, um, mm. uh, when I finally got to the point where I felt like I could write about a cheating husband with some humor and gentleness, um, I, I, you know, I think that really helped me also to let go a lot of um, anger and bitterness that I mm. might have been harboring, you know, oh, all these years later. Um so, so yeah, you know, you 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 start to process things, um, you get them out. And um, just the other day, I was having this discussion with my husband who was having an issue, and I said, "Let's talk about it." And he said, "It's talking about it won't do any good." I said, "Yeah, but that's <laughs> the way we process it. We just let it all out, and then we hear it." Yeah. So I, I think I think right. that's true. I think I think as you're writing it, you're hearing it, and your brain's going, "Okay, all right, I'm I'm hearing that, I'm getting that, I'm, okay." So yeah, that, I hadn't thought about that, but good point. So, in Very other good. words, I, I should be really actualized now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not something that we do it with intention, because most of the time, as a writer, we just write based on what is within us. We get through that, like you say, you're very methodical about when you write, but during those writing moments, you are who you are at that moment. You know, and that's really true. And sometimes when I um, get stuck, like I don't, I'm not sure mm-hmm. plot-wise where I want to go or, or whatever. Um, I'll sit down and write in my character's voice, first-person mm-hmm. character, as if she were sitting down and writing 
her journal. You know, and so mm-hmm. like with Nora Abbott, it would be like, my mother makes me so mad. I'm just so irritated. Why did she do this? And I can't believe she did that. And then I will actually, and this is so weird because, you know, writers are weird and, and kind of sick in our way. But but I have had where Nora would say, and what is Shannon thinking? I would never do that. You know, I'm she's just, you know, I don't know what her problem is with putting me in this situation because this is, it, you know, she has voices talk to you what's interesting i find that in talking to various authors over the years is that they find strength in their character that bounce back into their own life that's interesting so in other words um i would i would be saying you know what would kate do (laughs) in a certain situation because she's kate kate is way more uh tempered than i am yeah, you know, she's a she's a think before you speak type of person. I would do well right. to, to emulate Kate. <laughs> well, what we do is that because in our real life situation, we have our upper and lower limits. But when we create a character, that's where we are able to. It's our what they call it, our avatar, so to speak. We oh, you know okay. we have these. Yeah, yeah, and so those are the strengths that we're looking for. That sort of it's a reverse, like say, it's a mirror image in the sense that it bounced back to you that gave you the sense of uh, confidence. And in many ways, and sometimes I'm sure in the course of you interacting with your roles over the years and in your writings, you may or may not realize that it has actually helped you in resolving real-life issues. Don't you think? You know, I think you're probably right. I, I think you're probably right. There's probably a bounce, bouncing back and forth. You know, again, we're talking. You know, if I talk about uh, Nora Abbott's arc across her those three books, you know, it, it, it mirrored my arc. So I suppose there was a lot yeah. of bouncing back and forth between Nora and me, which is really weird. But you know, in a yeah. way, in a way, it's all okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very interesting. Think, think what of was the money the I'm saving on therapy. <laughs> what was the most difficult thing for you to write about? You know, I there are things that I just won't write about. You know, mm-hmm. so um, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write about child abuse. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. can't deal with that. Um, I one time I, I I was gonna write a book. This was a long time ago, and I was gonna write a book about. Um, meth. You know, I was in you know in the rural Nebraska mm-hmm, or whatever, and yeah. and I I started researching that. And it was just so bleak. I thought I just can't write about that. And you know, right now I'm working on a book, um, the third book in the in the Kate series, and it's it's set on the Lakota reservation or part, actually the border town on the Lakota reservation, mm-hmm. and it's really bleak. You know, when you when you think about the you know read read about it and and mm-hmm. have I've been there. You know, the there's twelve right. people that live in this town, and they sell four million cans of beer a year. Yeah. And so it's yeah. it's yeah. just there to service alcoholism on the reservation. That's the correct. That's stopped. correct. So yeah. you know that's really difficult to write about. It's really difficult to write about, and I don't want to. You know, make it a treatise, or, or you know, I, 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 I want to 
put it in there, but but not drag drag the reader down into this horrible horrible abyss. If I may say you touch on a very sensitive topic there, and I'm so glad you brought it up again because you're right. It is a tough thing to write, but you have the first-hand experience in terms of being in such a situation. People just want to hear about the rosy things, and it's not true because you mentioned a little bit about the math issue in small towns and so forth, and you mentioned about this particular Indian reservations as being actually one of the most profitable liquor store you can find in the country. And oh, it's so true. Yeah, yeah it, it's so sad. It's true. And, and I've known of this uh, based on the experience I've ran into certain people. This is like 20 years ago. But people don't talk about that. But I think it's how you bring it up and it's how you talk about it and the way you are doing it in terms of a nice, wonderful fiction that you can have a certain amount of entertainment to it, but yet this is reality. This is Americana. And so, like the book that you wrote, Strip Bear, of course, I've not read the other books. I think it gives the reader the opportunity to, well, you make that decision. If you just want to keep it as entertainment, that's fine. But if you find that there's something that resonates with you and and perhaps move you in a certain way, hooray. Yeah, and, and that, that's, I guess, how I I like to read my fiction. You know, I don't want the I don't want mm-hmm. the author to tell me what I should think. Right. But you know, right. it, it's like any media. The author's going to tell, give you the the bits and pieces that are going to drive you to the conclusion that she wants you to have, <laughs> or, that serves, or or that serves the story. Yeah. Sure. 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 So true. What do you enjoy most about writing strip bear? You know, I really loved going back after all this time. So, you know, I haven't been there for 13 years. Um, and it was so much fun to to just stop and think about it. And, you know, as I told you, I had I had grown to love the area and the landscape and, and the quirky people that live out there and the good people that are out there. Um, and I had I just totally walked away from it all. Um, you know, I have some good friends out there, but I hadn't been back to visit and really given it a whole lot of thought. So it was a lot of fun to just sit and and sink back into that that whole mm-hmm. atmosphere. And because there's a, there's a huge freedom being out in the Sandhills, and just huge freedom. There's not people breathing down your neck all the time. Um, you know, people aren't always watching you and. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get to do what you want to do, and 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 take the time to do it. You know, you'll see old ranchers just sitting out, you know, in their pickup or 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 you know, standing by a windmill, and they mm-hmm. they went out to check the windmill, make sure it's working. Sure, fine. Then they're just standing there watching a badger dig a hole, or you know, watching the eagles circle overhead. So it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. To put myself back in that place with mm-hmm. those people, I, you know, when I when I lived out there, I was always an anomaly out there. But I used to jog, and I'd go on these country roads, you know, and I would I would go for mm-hmm. a run, which is unusual out there. And <laughs> so these one lane, one lane blacktop roads, you know, nobody's on there. And I I remember one day I was out just running running along, you know, and this this old rancher, I love this guy, um, uh, Albert Hebert drove up and he rolled down his window and he leaned out and he said, 
if you're not in a hurry, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. so it was a lot of fun just to remember all the good yeah. stuff back there. You talk about the people being genuine, too. It's real life, real people, and simple in the way that everything is from the heart. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good way to describe it. There isn't a whole lot of pretense that goes on out there. There are people out there that have money, I mean, mm-hmm. big-time money, and you would never that's know it. That's right, you know, yeah. Hanging yeah. out with with everybody, you know, playing golf with the janitor at the high school, you know. Right, it, it all, right. People, you're, you're kind of taking that face value out there. Precisely. How do you know when a story is done? You know, I don't know if a story is ever done. And in fact, I just saw this <laughs> quote today. Uh, what did they say? The story is never done. You just walk away from it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So for me, for me, the story is done when I just can't look at it again. When I just think, I, I don't... From now on, I'm just making changes. I'm not making things better. I'm just making things different. So Mm -hmm. then I'll turn it in. And then, you know, three months later, I'll get the galleys back and I'll go, oh, my God, (laughs) what was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And and then after the book's put, you make all those corrections and you turn it in again. And then the book's published and you read it and you go, "Ah, how did that get by? So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's ever done. You just have to... You just have to let it go. Yeah. You know, it's like raising yeah. kids. You know, they're never, you know, you go in and, and, and you say, clean up your room. And you go in and, yeah. and the room's not, you know. And then you say, you didn't do a good enough job. Clean up your room again, you know. And then you do that three or four times and finally you just go, oh, all right. You know, you, <laughs> it's good enough. It's sort of a, you reach a level of acceptable acceptance. <laughs> that's, that's right. It just, you know, and you love them anyway. You know, you love your yeah, book anyway. Yeah. There, I did my yeah. best. You know, it's not perfect. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this before, about expressing oneself in the various characters in the novels. Do you do that intentionally or that's something that just sort of naturally as you get into the flow? And we talk about sometimes your self is pretty much in the villain side of the equation as well. You know, I don't consciously put myself into characters, and I think um, the more you write, the less Mm -hmm. likely that is. I I think, Mm -hmm. and I may be wrong here, but I I think when you're starting out writing, everything is is way more personal because you're writing what you know, and so you're getting that Mm -hmm. out. Or you, Mm -hmm. the more you write, the further away your characters get from who you are. Um, but in the case of a villain, you know, the villain always has, is always the hero of his own story. You know, mm-hmm. so, so your, your villain has to believe that what he or she is doing is, is right. And there's justification for it. And there's, a, you know, they're doing what, what needs to be done for whatever noble reason in their own mind. Um, and, you know, the, the best villains are the most noble. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to tap into those weird um, inconsistencies. I do anyway. The weird inconsistencies in my own mind. 
you know, where do I feel like justice isn't being served and, and how can my villain correct that justice by being so wrong, mm-hmm. basically. So, so yeah, you, I don't, I've listened to people talk and I, and I know, you know, people have come across in my life and, and the weird way they justify things that I think are completely wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but I have to always bring it back down into myself. How would, how, how would I work that out in my own mind so that I'm justified in doing something so awful, like, you know, murder or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) How do you deal with, writer's block? You know, being the disciplined person I am, <laughs> yeah. I, just yeah. don't, I just don't allow it. I mean, I, there you go. I sit down, and if I can't figure out where I'm going, and I don't, you know, it's not, you know, the plot's not working or whatever, um, I'll, I'll write description. You know, I'll sit and write description. Because if I'm really in the zone, and I'm writing, like, dialogue and an action scene and everything, all that description just... You know, I have to fill in later anyway. So I'll mm-hmm. I'll write description, or as I said, you know, I'll go back and and write in my you know longhand. I'll take a notebook and write longhand in my character's voice. Or you know, I'm I generally have a word count that I'm working for. For you know, mm-hmm. so you know, I've got so many words. I've got two thousand words I need to do today. And if if I am just not feeling it, I'll tell myself, you only have to do seven hundred and fifty today. You know, I'm going to give you a break. I only have to do 750. And and that isn't a random number because I heard a podcast with James Lee Burke and he said, you know, in that southern voice he's got, which is just melts you anyway, he says uh, he only writes 750 words a day. And he said if you write 750 words a day, that's a, a book in a year. And I thought, well, it's good enough for James Lee Burke. It's good enough for yeah. me. So, I, you know, I'll tell myself I only have to write 750 words and I'll sit down and, and that's not hard, you know, 750 mm-hmm. words, nothing. And when I hit 750, I think, well, I'm already sat down at my desk and, you know, I might as well just go ahead and finish the next, you know, 1,250. So that works mm-hmm. for me too. I, I play lots of games with myself like that. You know, I mean, I'm really easily fooled. That's very interesting because it's a wonderful self-motivation in terms of, getting into the zone and being in the zone on not letting anything else distract you. Yeah, you know, I do that when I run too. If I just don't feel mm-hmm. like running, I think, okay, you only have to do two miles. And then I yeah. do two miles and I think, oh, I might as well just finish the next three. I'm out already yeah. sweaty. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like for the readers to gain from reading Strip Bear? You know, I... I would like to take the readers back to the Sandhills with me. I would, I would love for, you know, somebody in New York City to take an hour out of their day and, and sit down and, and, you know, see the, the sunshine or feel the snow or, you know, see these, these lovable characters. I've got a, you know, two bachelor brothers that are just crazy and, and they're, you know, I, I I love them so much. I just I don't want to hang out with them too much because they don't smell very good. But you know, other than that, they're just you know I want I want my readers to be able to to feel what Western America mm-hmm. is like. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, um, my website is 
shannon-baker.com. And I have stuff going on there. In fact, if you want to go there and sign up for my newsletter, which will tell you, you know, the pertinent stuff. I hardly ever send out a newsletter, so it isn't like it's going to be popping in your box all the time. Um, if you if you sign up for a newsletter, you get a free short story. And so it also, um, if you go to how my, if you go to my my website, you can also see where you can. Um, if you do a pre-order of Stripped Bear, which is released on September 6th, that you can be entered to win 50 books, a giveaway of 50 unique books. Not mm-hmm. the same one, mm-hmm. not, not 50 of my books. <laughs> <laughs> do you interact with your followers quite a bit on Facebook and social media? I, I do. So I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a Twitter twit. I have no idea how it works. And, and I... I, I figure I'm pretty rude on it because I really don't understand it. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to be like responding to people, and and I think, well, they don't want to hear uh-huh. from me again. So you know, I think mm-hmm. I don't really understand Twitter, but I'm I really do Facebook, and so um, I'm at Shannon dot Baker two on Facebook. I don't have an author page, I, although but until um, September sixth, I have a joint author page with Jess Laurie. Um, mm-hmm. who also has a book coming out. So we're doing this, this, this is just so much fun. We're doing a month-long pre-launch blog tour called the mm-hmm. Laurie Baker Double Book Tour. And mm-hmm. so we, we, it's been so much fun hanging out with her because we've been, you know, feeding off each other and bantering back and forth on all these blog posts. So, so we do have an author page there, the Laurie Baker Double Book Tour. Mm-hmm. On Facebook. Mm-hmm. What is next for you? Well, book two of the Nor- of the Kate Fox series is in the shoot, and it's ready to come out. I'm I'm assuming it'll come out next September, but um, they haven't let me know. Um, and it's called Dark Signal, and on that one, the murder takes place on a BNSF railroad uh, train, Burlington Northern Santa Fe train in the sandhill. So my husband, three years working on the railroad. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. He helped me figure out how somebody was murdered and why. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then in 2017, um, I, I have a short story coming out in a uh, an anthology from Hex Publishers, which is up in Colorado, um, called Blood Business. The book is called Blood Business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You also belong to several organizations. Please tell us about that. Oh, so first, my my writing home is Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers. Um, so when I was living in the Sandhills for a long time, um, I found out about Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, which is in, in Denver. They have a, a conference every year. I've gone to the last 21 conferences, and then, 2014, they elected me or voted me Writer of the Year, which was a ton of fun. But that is so great. This is just a great way to learn how to write. They taught me how to write. Um, I also belong to Mystery Writers of America and the Southern Cal uh, chapter there, and that's a great resource for writers. And Sisters in Crime, which is also another great resource. So Mystery Writers and Sisters in Crime are mystery-specific. And I recently joined Western Writers of America, and I haven't really launched into to being very um, 
active in that. But all those others are just the most amazing, generous, kind organizations to help writers along their journey, where, wherever you are, whether you're a beginner or you're seasoned. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It just dawned on me that you might be slowly developing into that Annie Oakley character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I did take a gun course, so you know I can shoot. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I remembered that, and I said, "Okay, interesting. Very interesting. We're getting there slowly but surely." <laughs> you know, Annie Oakley is a really interesting character. She was a feminist way before feminism mm-hmm. was a thing, and you know, she yeah. took care of her family. And uh, yeah, we could do a whole show on Annie Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> So perhaps the next time when you walk in some place, I think Arizona is uh, open carry, right? If I'm not mistaken. Oh my gosh! Yes, you could take your your gun into a bar here. You yeah. just belly up to the bar. You can't drink, but you can have your gun in yeah. the bar. So what you need to <laughs> do is buy a wonderful, nice-looking six-shooter and put on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's that little old lady doing with that gun? <laughs> My neighbor um, walks uh, out and does yard work with her Glock strapped to her her hip. No kidding. <laughs> it's an interesting place. Yeah. <laughs> you all must have a lot of rattlesnakes around. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that might be why she does it, but I'm not real sure. <laughs> As an accomplished <laughs> author, what three things can you suggest to new writers to fine-tune their craft? Well, you know, the first two are what Stephen King says, and, and you know, he knows what he's talking about, which is write every day. And I, you know, mm. I'll just amend that, or as often as you can, but you know, writing every day is, is right. And read everything, everything you can read, all genres, you know, fiction, nonfiction, just keep reading. It all sets in. And then the other thing that I would say is to be gentle with yourself. You know, writing is a, it's a long game, and it takes a long time, and you have to write so many words before it all comes together. I mean, there are people that are, you know, savants that just do it right out of the gate, but not very many. And it takes a long time. It takes a lot of practice. And you, so, so be gentle with yourself or you won't, you won't have the stamina to keep going. Very interesting. By the way, we're coming close to the end of the hour since our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I have I have two recipes for okay. living. One is wonderful. One is find something good every day. And these are these are so cliche and they're so simple. And you know, so mm-hmm. you know, the simple is is the best is. First is find at least one thing, no matter how low and sad and depressed you are, find one thing to be help, thankful for, one thing. You know, a lot of times for me, I would walk out, I was living in Boulder at the time, and I would walk out and look at the flat irons and say, you know, that's it. Thank you for the flat irons. They're so beautiful. And, and the other piece of advice is what I tell my girls all the time. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just one more step. That's all you have to take. Just one more step. Yeah, one foot in front of the other, and you get there. So true. Very, very wise. Those are wonderful recipes for living. Looking back at some of the ventures that you have done, being an outdoors person, what was the most fun thing that was so exciting? It 
exceeded your expectation? Oh, hands down. It was the nine-day river rafting trip I did down the, the Colorado River. It was a paddle trip. And I, um, mm-hmm. so this was my 50th birthday. I decided I was going to do it. I was going to prove that I still, mm-hmm. you know, could go go the distance. And, oh, my gosh, it was it was the best. And I took my husband on it, and and he was just, at one point, he said, this is like an outward bound trip. He's, he's a total outdoors <laughs> person, but he's claustrophobic, and he's afraid of heights, mm-hmm. although he's a pilot. Go figure. But, um you know, we were hiking on these bare ledges and, and going under these little holes and, and, you know, sliding down rivers and jumping off mm-hmm. waterfalls. And, oh, it was, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. I would do that's it in a That's the beauty of America. Yeah. See, that's the beauty of America. Can't beat that. But it was, yeah, it was so hot we had to sleep. We had to go dip our sheets in the river at night. Mm-hmm. And sleep mm-hmm. with wet wet sheets over the top of us. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's fascinating. Shannon, thank you for the wonderful recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning. My guest will be Anne Barham. She is a certified regression therapist and the author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Past Life Perspective, Discovering your true nature across multiple lifetimes. Anne and I will be taking a rare and fascinating intimate glimpse at past life regression therapy and how to use this powerful tool to improve your understanding of your personal challenges and deepen your connection with the world around you. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Shannon, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thanks so much, Johnny. This has been fun. Thank you. Bye-bye.